Oh shit, what up? Dog, what's up, man? Nice to see you. It's good to see you too, dude. It's been a really long time. It's unfortunate that it's been such a long time. I know, man. Hey, we're we're both awesome and busy. It's okay. It's a good thing to have. We missed you last week with Guar. That would have been fun to have dude, you. Dude, dude, that would have been rad, but I am I am I have heard the episode. I have heard you whipping all kind of ass. And uh, I'm just I'm just glad it got to happen, you know. Me too, man. Yeah, we're uh, it it was fun, man. I didn't know which one I was going to be talking to, you know. They were yeah. just like, they were just like Guar's going to be here, so just like be there for Guar. And I was like, okay, bro, I'm ready. That's, Whoever it is, it's fine. That's how it's got to be, man. Like they they're in charge. You got to fucking do what they say, or they'll feed you to that fucking thing that they keep with them on stage. All the things they keep with them. Yeah, yeah. that fucking the worm thing. Yeah. Some it has a name. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it does. It's probably even <laughs> in the band. Yeah. You've been kicking ass, dude. You've been you've been running around DC like a fucking madman, dude. I see you on the social medias. I, I am on the social medias and I'm on the streets of Washington, DC doing that fucking thing. Did a half marathon on a Saturday. Super fun time. Went really good. Um, went for a long run today uh it's going good man dude the weather is so fucking amazing like this is it's like a proper fall for me you know like it's so good yeah i'm not used to that you've been just digging it up running i have man yeah man good for you i I have and today uh speaking of speaking of our respective necks of the woods today i checked out a new record from a pittsburgh band that i really like it's a brutal death metal band called post-mortal possession oh yeah um you need to check that shit out if you haven't yet. That's some fucking peak gym shit. And like, they're doing some really interesting conceptual shit this time around. There's like all these like uh, Aztec references and shit. And there's like, I don't know, fucking cannibalism and shit like that, which yeah. I am always down for. Me too. Those dudes are really cool. Yeah. yeah so they, they used to open for like, well, I guess they still do now, but that's their shows yeah. back. But they, they'd always be like the local opener on every like death metal show. So we got Fuck yeah, dude. Most mortal possession. Well, shout out to them for sure. What up, boys? We got to get you on the show. Let's get yeah, we definitely show. should. Fuck yeah. Done. They'll do it. Just show up at their place. Show up at their practice space with a couple of microphones and be like, hey, I will. It's your boy. It's your boy. Speaking of get of guests we've had getting getting to see them live was so cool to see vitriol open. Oh, was it? I dude, this, bro. Dude, I fucking I want to see. I wanted to see that bill so bad. Um, so all those great. bands on there, super different, like super diverse lineup. Um, and yeah. a, a couple of a couple of those bands were like bands that I'm really really wanted to see. Dying fetus, of course, but vitriol. That vitriol record, man did something to me change me on the inside i would love to see that shit live they were as good live as you would you would hope for kyle's a beast he's the man he's i believe the, it one of one of my favorite if not my favorite podcast guest that we we've had on especially he, he came back on the on just the death comes lifting podcast too everybody people still message me about that episode well like he's got an amazing story you know yeah he's a beast but are you familiar with who we're talking to today? I am. I am yeah. indeed. Did you get you? We had time to do homework because we've been trying to schedule this dude for like a month. Yes, we had time to do homework. And then also like I, I am familiar with some of these guys with one of these guys, other bands. And I've, I've known oh. about them for quite some time. And I had heard about Necrofire. Um, oh, shit. Well, I just fucking dropped the name right there. You dropped, you I ruined, ruined the ruined fucking the surprise. <laughs> 
like a piece of shit. But I guess everybody knows because they're clicking on the episode anyway. So we. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah no. Gotta, I gotta. I'm. I'm always like. Uh, uh, my mind is elsewhere. But hey, it's fine. Malignant Altar is another band that like oh, four okay. of the dudes from Necrofire are in. And oh, really? they just, yeah, they um, are an awesome band. Obviously, we're not talking about them today. Uh, that would be great if we could at some point. Um, but Necrofire, I know, has been plugged multiple times by a good friend of the show, Mr. Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder, who is a big, big fan of that band. Yes. Um, and so it was really cool to get to check out some of their shit. Um, I went ahead and just like, I heard like one song and then I ordered the, uh, the full length and the EP just because it's fucking baller. Um, and typically like I, I'm like a little iffy about black metal from time to time, but like, I don't really feel like this is true black metal. And I mean that right. in like a good way. And we I can know. certainly get into that once we, once we get our boy on, who are we, who are we talking to? His name, ironically, for a black metal band, his name is Christian. No uh, shit. How about that? <laughs> I, forget, I, I forget his last name. It's Christian from Necrofire. He's the uh, he, he's the singer. He's the he's the brains of the operation, as far as I know. Excellent, excellent. And, uh, he's been very cool and very willing to work with our uh, crazy schedule changes. I fucked up the time difference between here and Texas, so that's yeah. why it didn't work out last week. It's my bad. Sorry, everybody. But uh, we know, got one hour time difference will fuck you up, you know. It, it just, will, man. It, it will. We've we've this is one of two Texas interviews that we've got set up this week. So we we we're gonna do a dry run on this one and make sure that the next one goes Ooh. smooth. Right. Yeah. Is the next one from is tomorrow's in te- from Texas? Tomorrow's in Texas, Ooh, and then Thursday is in Ohio. We're fucking we we are lining yeah. them up. We are nationwide on lifts and roofs. It's fucking going down. It's been going really good. It's been it has, good. man. I, I'm I'm really appreciative of it, man. For real, it's been same really, here, dude. Really cool. This is it's a blast. Like I'm having a fun. It's always really cool to talk to to bands who I'm already familiar with and whose shit I really love, and then bands like I'm just discovering, like Necrofire. Like this shit fucking rips. I can't wait to talk to this dude. All right. Uh, well, while we wait for him to come on, what uh besides running and tear, tearing up the streets of DC, what? You, what's new in your life, man? You teaching still? You do it? You, you you're shaping the youth of our nation. I am. I, yes, I am. Uh, I'm brainwashing the youth with my liberal agenda. No. Yes, that's what you're doing. Yes, I am teaching. Um, the semester's yeah. almost over. Uh, I am currently gearing up all of my my dissertation shit to defend my dissertation this summer. Uh, it's going to be like May or June, and after that. I got all kinds of fucking projects in store, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm working on those right now too. Yes, I do. And it's, it sucks that I can't really talk about them yet. Um, but it's all very exciting shit. And uh, I, am, I am working on that while I'm working on my other uh, nerdy school shit. And there is a decent amount of overlap between those two things. Um, you're gonna, people are going to like it. People are going to have a blast, man. I guarantee it. I can't wait to hear about it. I will, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you on the privates after. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you about it all fucking days. Sure. <laughs> I will talk to you about it until you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. But for the people who are listening to the people who are listening right now, it's not time yet, baby. I gotta let that marinate a little bit longer. Gotta let oh, these things sit. Let them come in. I have been just upping, stepping up the game with the podcast studio. Check it out. Nobody can see it, but I got a new webcam and I can go like this. And there's a ring light oh, on it, so watch that. What? What? Blair oh, shit. 
yeah. straight into fucking influencer mode. Look at you. Right. We got a uh, yoga crypt set up back here with with tombstones and a new wall that looks like a castle wall with death comes lifting on it. We're just up and we're up and everything. That's we're we're taking this shit seriously, man. We are taking it seriously, man. I was like, damn, if I'm on a podcast with Schuler fucking Benson, I can't look like an ass anymore. It's been fifty Vice. episodes. I yeah. said to myself, I said to myself before I bought this microphone, man, it's time to fucking, it's time to take this shit seriously. It's time to get some skin in the game. That's exactly. And it made me, you made me step up my game. I was like, my man's just running shit with his microphone and his headphones, his, his, <laughs> his earphones, and he knows everything. And I'm just like on Zoom. And like, I, just, I you know what I mean? We motivate one another. Like now I want to go back and interview some of the people that we talked to at the very beginning who probably were like these fucking scrub idiots. Uh, specifically, you know, the one that I would do over if I could, the most. it's obviously Steve Tucker. Dude, I had the um, most fun with that Steve Tucker interview though. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm glad that you did. I was shitting my pants the whole fucking time, making a total ass of myself. Like I, I I've, I've said it on here before, but like this, that was, I don't know what it was about him that like got me fucking starstruck or shook or whatever for the first time on this podcast. Cause like I, I literally had a poster of fucking Steve Tucker era morbid angel on my wall in my bedroom when I was in high school. So like it was pretty, I don't know. And he, he just, there's something else about the dude there. He just like has this super foreboding energy, you know, and then you talk to him and he's like a, a puppy dog. So, you know, yeah. it was cool, but I'm still holding up to him uh, giving me some edibles next time he is in Pittsburgh. Um, don't, yeah. think I, don't think I forgot about that, Steve. I know you're listening. You heard that uh, he, he's got a new one of the projects that he talked about with us that I don't think had a name yet. He has since released a song from and I fuck, I don't remember the name of the project off the top of my head. But um, is that Sonny's that he plays guitar? for? I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't looked yet. Um, I just remember listening to the song and I was like, this is the shit right here. I can fuck with this. Um, I need to, which reminded me, I need to message him again. Cause he's been, yeah, good. We got we're, so we're many people we got to get on the show, man. We got so many people. We got so many friends. I want to get John McKenzie back on the show. I loved him. Yeah, dude, that was, I think that was like the longest episode we had too, because like that, one of the things that I liked about that is that that dude will just talk, you know what I mean? Like, right. and he's got, he's got so many interesting fucking things to tell you about. Malefic Throne, that's the name of the new project that Steve Tucker's in. Um, but with, uh, with John McKinty, man, like, you know, he's been there for all this fuck. I mean, he's been there for the story of death metal, you know, and then you just sit there and some of the people that we get on here, you kind of have to poke them a little bit to get them talking. And that's totally cool, man. Everybody's personality is a little bit different, but like John McKinty, just let that motherfucker go and he will straight up fill up a two hour time block, um, which is impressive, but also at the same time, like it never gets boring. You know what I mean? Super passionate guy. Um, been, a, been a big part of the history of this thing that we love so much. And I just love incantation. I don't know what it is, but like I, I don't get sucked into any rabbit hole more than I do incantation. Like if I start listening to it, I'm going to listen to it for a while. Well, there's like a shitload of incantation. And then like the sound of that band, you know, you can it's always recognizable as far as like the vocals, which is interesting across different vocalists. Right. You can you can still tell it's fucking incantation. But yeah. um, there's so many different sort of like the tempos, the songs change so much. So you can have this entire like sort of doomy fucking crypt experience and then go to like super like, you know, uh, what is it? Blissful blood shower. That's just like, you know, so oh, yeah. have it, being able to being able to go back and forth between all that shit makes for like a really easily explorable 
um, and rewarding repeat listen experience. I couldn't have said it better myself. I literally couldn't. And uh, I try, man. I do what I can. I don't know where homeboy is. He's not messaging me back. I don't know. We might. I hope we don't get stood up tonight, Schuler. But it's it's man. nice to talk to you anyway. Hey. Uh, if we do get stood up tonight, I'll be okay with it just because I got to see your smiling face. I got to check out the uplifted crypt the energy, uh, and, and yeah. shoot the shit just a little bit. I know, man. It's nice. It's nice. We've been doing, we've been doing good things, man. I'm still working on getting us a table at Maryland death fest, by the way, dude, I, I will fucking, that would be so amazing. It would be I'm so working much on it, fun. And I'm pretty sure um, I got us in the napalm death show in, D, in uh, DC in December. Yeah. I uh if, if you're I'm stoked if you're around, I will do that. I'll yeah, be there. No, as far as I know, I should be. Um oh, I yeah. I definitely, you know, we're we are taking like a family trip at some point, but it's not gonna be very long. Well, you take them to if, if it means missing death, bro. If it, yeah, if it means if it means missing napalm death, we'll just fucking scrap that shit and be like, sorry, I'll come home in two more years. Yeah. Um which but, I yeah. I even though they're opening for Guar, I feel that they get to play like a, a solid set. So, oh, that's good, good. Yeah, I think they play for forty-five minutes or something. So that's that's legit. Like they, man, you want to talk about a band that's got like longevity, and then it's also got like a crazy fucking wide spectrum of different sounds. Napalm Deaths, where you go, like you go all the way back to that fucking super Corey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, up to like the you know true death metal, those couple of records they put out, uh, Harmony Corruption, Utopia Banished, just straightforward death metal records, and then everything after that sort of started mutating into like groovy shit, like semi-industrial shit, and then to like this crazy avant grind fucking. Yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, dude. Their newest record is so like interesting for that. It's good, yeah. yes, and it's it's like it's all over the place. Um, I I feel the where they like hit their magic stride for me was the code is red, long live the code. Uh-huh. Um, and it, like fear, emptiness, despair is my favorite Napalm Death record, but that came out before I liked Napalm Death. Like that was when I that was before I even ever heard of the band, but. Like I was already a fan and I was there for the release of the code is red long live the code. And it just really fucking connected with me at the time. And then I feel like everything that they have done since then has not only been good, but like in one way or another, it's been more extreme than the thing that preceded it. And I think that when you're talking about a band who's been doing this shit for like 30 fucking years or something like that, Mm -hmm. that is pretty impressive. That's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. They're another rabbit hole band probably for that reason, you know, like incantation oh, for sure. Easy to get sucked into because you just like want to hear the progression and like where, where they're going, where they came from. It's so fascinating, you know? Well, and, uh, Napalm Death and uh, a cool thing about the Napalm Death rabbit hole is that they've got so much non-album material. They got stuff from splits and EPs. They got oh, alternate yeah. versions of songs. They got fucking stuff that's been on like decibel flexi discs and shit like that. And so up until like, I guess 20, 15 maybe i was like I, I i would run down all these rare import napalm death cds with from like south korea or japan or uh europe like i think there was a belgian one that had some extra tracks on it and then what do those motherfuckers do they put out a collection it's got all that shit in it and there was some other shit in there that i didn't have yet that was like unreleased or that was from something so obscure that i either couldn't find it or that i hadn't really gotten like hadn't set my sights on it yet but like that i'm a i'm a sucker for the non-album shit i absolutely love that stuff i gotta track it down this is why you were such a good drug addict you know you just have that you you have i 
listen, like one of the things that I tell people when we talk about that, especially like in an academic setting is like, don't you ever underestimate motherfuckers who are drug fiends. If you've been a dope fiend at some point in your life, yeah, you know how to make shit work. You know how to fucking solve problems. Yeah. Um, and you know how to serve that need regardless of what sort of materials you have at the ready. And, and because I spent a good long time doing that, I do think that I've got there are definitely aspects of that that still sort of haunt my personality. I like to think that I use them for good these days instead of evil. You do. Uh, I was watching that um, Anthony Bourdain documentary a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about that, but I hadn't seen it. You should watch it, dude. You'll love it. And I, I, I um, yeah, they were talking about how he <clears> was like, he quit heroin, like cold turkey. And like mm-hmm. didn't, go, didn't go to rehab, like didn't like go through any like process or whatever. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. And he... They like they were saying his addiction just like jumped to other shit, you know. Like he was always a junkie. Like he was always uh, yeah. a heroin addict, but it just was on other shit. Oh man, I, absolutely. Like I was yeah. a junkie before I was a junkie. Before, like I, I had right. a really interesting sort of rare exposure to dope. I started getting high when I was nine. Um, but before that, like I like, like with, weed when you were nine. Like, or uh, like no, other- no, with uh, well hydrocodone cough syrup. Um, I, yeah, it was in the medicine cabinet and I would be given it when I was sick. Right. Uh And, and I would still realize like this shit, this shit fucking rocks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I never, I never had to experiment or whatever. Like the first thing I ever tried, I was a kid when I tried it. And like, that was the shit that clicked. That was what made everything in the world sort of fall into place for me. Um, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, pretty, pretty weird stuff. You skipped um, all the you skipped all the fun stuff and went right to that. Yeah, I mean, I, tr- I I tried some of the fun shit later, but it really it wasn't it wasn't quite the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally forgot where I was going after that, though. Your mindset of always being just having that yes, okay, mindset, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Even before then, right? Even before then. So we're talking about when I'm in grade school, right? Like I had the same sort of impulse that I have with collecting shit now. Like I was big into action figures, like GI Joes and X Men and shit like that. And, you know, whenever you buy a fucking action figure, you've got the toy up front and it's on like that piece of cardboard and you flip that motherfucker around and there's like all the other ones in the set. Like, you know, I got Wolverine and now I got to get Sabretooth and Storm and Cyclops and all these other ones. Like I was fucking dedicated to that shit in a way that was like not natural. Yeah. Like it was it was very much like, you know, and, and this is. You know, years of being an adult and dealing with all this shit and taking care of myself emotionally and and seeing professionals the way people like, you know, you should if you feel like you need to. Um, you know, I can see I can look back at all that shit and be like, that's totally fucking OCD. And it has been for my entire life. But, you know, not knowing into the time. And also this was back in like the you know late 80s and early 90s when sort of the public's general knowledge of mental illness was just very, very different than it is now, you know. Yeah. So it was more like, oh, Schubert's got to have his ducks in a row or like, oh, he's just eccentric or something like that. But like, nah, man, that shit would cause me deep stress. Like I would lose sleep over that shit if I couldn't find Sabretooth or whatever. (laughs) It's like so ridiculous to talk about now. (laughs) That's fascinating, though. That makes me like understand you so much more in like such a Oh, dude. Yeah. But like that with the with the Anthony Bourdain thing, I think that you see that with a whole lot of people who've got long term drug issues. Yeah. Um, sad you 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 know 
if you do feel the reason to stop and not everybody needs to, you know, if you, if you do that shit and you enjoy that shit and you can live the life that you want to live while you're doing that shit, more power to you. Like, yeah. I feel like our responsibility as a society is to make that process as safe and, and as possible, you know, for people who choose to do it, definitely not fucking criminalizing it, you know, but for the people who do want to stop, um, once you do, if you can, you find this gaping fucking void in your life um, that you, you know, you spent so much time and energy filling, uh, like, cause you know, when we talk about that, that impulse to, you know, track down dope or whatever it is that you need to stay high, you, you've got all these problem solving skills and shit like that. That shit's more than just like a fucking, a thing that you do on the side. Like that's your life. That's your passion. And so once that thing is gone, uh, a lot of people end up sort of trying to find another thing that's kind of like that, that can, that can like totally consume you. So right. I could see even though I don't know that much about Anthony Bourdain, I do know um, that he did, you know, fight those demons. And it's, it's always interesting to, to look at other people who got clean and stayed clean or got clean for a little while and sort of what they chose to pursue with that impulse, with that time. Yeah. One thing that I, the thing that I do know about Anthony Bourdain, like I felt bad when the guy died because so many people that I knew were like, oh man, like the world lost a fucking luminary. Like this guy, you know, such a good dude. Um, obviously an amazing chef but like just a genuine like a genuinely interesting passionate caring person and so immediately after that i started kind of diving into like the guy's life just a little bit and and like right on the surface one of the first things that i found is that he had like this virulent fucking hatred for henry kissinger yeah (laughs) (laughs) at first i was like you know, that seems so random, but then you look at where at the time that he spent in the parts of the world that Henry Kissinger's time in the government just fucking decimated. And like, you, you begin to understand why he took this so seriously, but like, I don't know, man, there was something about how much he fucking hated Henry Kissinger that just cracked me up. Resonated with you. He had those weird passions and obsessions and hatreds, you know, it all, it all comes, yeah. just, he felt it all, but I think it was core. He was just a, he was a writer. That's what he was saying. He uh, yeah. really wanted to do the most you know, really expressed himself through his writing and his voiceovers and his shows. And it's a really fascinating thing, man. You know? Yeah. You should check it out for sure. I think I should. And I think especially being an ex nine-year-old dope fiend, you would, you would totally love it. Yeah. I did my time, bro. I, uh, I put my time in, but that's cool. They talk about him like being obsessed with stuff, like everything he got into, he was obsessed with and, you know, like how obsessed you are with collecting yeah. metal and saber tooth and everything and just like, <laughs> kind of, the kind of person you are. It just well, makes a lot sense. Of, and I'm like that too. That's why I do oh, so much fitness instead of. Yeah. Play. Yeah. And a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of, I, th- I don't think that addiction is an illness necessarily. And I, not in the terms that we understand illness in, in, in like a biomedical sense. Um, yeah but I do think that it has a whole lot to do sort of with conditioning and uh, genetic predisposal and a number of other things, like all these factors that you can't really ultimately separate, right? It's all just this soup that you've been stewing in and that one way or another, you find your way to that thing. But with the people who do find their way to that thing, a lot of times you can look at their lives and you can sort of not look at one specific condition or one specific incident and be like, this is the thing. If, if this hadn't happened to you, you wouldn't have started using drugs. Or if you weren't uh, diagnosed with this particular mental illness or something like this, you wouldn't have started using drugs. I don't think it's ever quite as simple as just being able to isolate it to one thing. Yeah. But a lot of times you can look at people who have, have you know, 
had that stuff in their life for a really long time and sort of identify these, these proclivities for extreme behavior that manifest in one place or another. And a lot of times that is obsession in a lot of cases, you know, like not always when you say obsession like that, like it, it, it sounds kind of creepy, like obsession with like a person or something like that. It's not necessarily yeah. like that. It's like extreme. Like you said, look at this degree. shit. Yeah. yeah. Look at this shit behind me. Like I fucking, I, I still pursue music the same way that I pursued fucking you know, oxycodone. So, yes. so like it's, yes. it is very much an obsession. Um, and I think that that is something that, you know, it can end up getting sort of the need to do that. The drive to do that, I think is definitely dulled. Um, by the satisfaction that you get. And I can only speak from my personal experience, but like it's definitely sort of dulled by the satisfaction that you get from being high. Um, and so once you take that away, you know, that shit goes through the fucking roof along with your totally fucked up brain chemistry and your lack of sleep and your poor eating habits and your sedentary lifestyle and all this other fucked up shit that sort of accumulates uh, while you are under that particular whip. But Again, you know, like it, I, it's weird that we're going in this direction. I assume Homeboy's not going to show up. Yeah, the, this um, is the podcast now, bro. <laughs> this is the this is the podcast now. But like, I do just because I I've, I've said all this shit now. Like, I do want to make sure that I say that. Like, this is I only speak from my personal experience, yeah, um, and I do not I don't moralize any of this shit. Right? right? If you are a heroin user and you are a happy heroin user, what can I do to make your use of heroin safer? Right. And like, how can I reduce harm that way? You know, I think that that is, I think that that is socially the most constructive way to approach addiction or use or illicit substances, any of that kind of, any of the shit that we like criminalize right now that we've turned into um, this really moral sort of carceral issue. I, I don't think, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to rail at this from like a super passionate, like, again, I'm not trying to moralize it. I'm just saying, if you look at the system that incarcerates people for a condition that manifests in the same way that an illness does, right? Yeah. That's not going to fix anything that, that just makes things worse. And it costs everybody money. It costs you money. You Joe Q taxpayer, me, John Q taxpayer. Like we have to pay to keep people alive in jail because all they want to do is get high. Right. Right. Um, and sometimes you do fucked up shit to get high. I did. I, I like, by the time I got sober, dude, my life was a fucking wreck. Like my family didn't have anything to do with me. I had no friends left. Um, I just fucked everybody over, you know, to serve that need. Um, and I, you know, I, my story, I think is not necessarily the best example of the kind of criminal reform that I'm talking about, because I, the stuff that I was trying to, like, I think that those things were a part of my personality already anyway. And I think that being in that sort of, that situation where the need was so dire and so great, like when dopeness, when dope sickness started to become a regular part of my life, like that fear, that anxiety, um, you sort of shut off that part of your brain that says don't don't do fucked up shit to people who care about you right yeah. um and it doesn't make it okay i'm not trying to say that it does but i am trying to say that in a society that understands these things a little bit better and that approaches them more from a harm reduction stance than a crime and punishment stance or a judicial stance or a moral stance right um i i think that there's there's a lot more constructive dialogue to be had when we look at this thing sort of separated from 
the, the, the whole right and wrong, black and white dichotomy. It's very extreme. And this is not a condition and not a thing that people do um, that just sits on one side of a spectrum or another, right? There are, there's an entire spectrum of, of drug use and criminalizing all of it. Uh, and, and, but the thing is that we don't criminalize all of it, right? Like alcohol is legal with conditions. Weed is starting to get legal with conditions in a lot of places. Um, again, and then you have like, why are these things still legal or why were they deemed to be okay in the first place? And I don't think it's necessarily because alcohol is morally superior to heroin, right? It's by the time that we started to actually regulate these things when we realized that some of them were dangerous, um, there was already a whole lot of money in some of these things. Uh, and the people who had the whole lot of money had the same kind of sway that they do now. And they were able to do a little bit of persuading and make sure that there were certain things that could stay available, even if they had conditions placed on them, things like alcohol, things like tobacco. You're, I, I, yeah, I have nothing to add. You're right. I, I, I don't <laughs> it's uh it's no i love how you're just like such a fucking passionate dude dude i love you you're like you i love you, you too really man. get to the root man i appreciate that i was just well, like I, drawing parallels between cocaine and death metal you know oh dude there's very there dude there's so many fucking parallels between cocaine and death metal i know it's amazing and 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 I, dare i say i bet cocaine has produced a lot of really fucking great death metal like that's or my thing really i'm not great music that that True. as well, yeah. Like yeah. I'm not fucking anti-drug. I can't. I know you are. And I I I regret that I can't do that shit. I would love to fucking do I would love to get high. It would make <laughs> shit so much easier. Like I if I thought that I could, with you. if I thought that I could do that shit and like balance the rest of my life, like I would Me. do that shit. But like I I just I don't think that that's in the cards. And the thing is, I don't feel that my life as it is right now is lacking enough after 13 years of sobriety that it's worth jeopardizing that only to try and find out like, oh, nope, all that shit's still there. All those fucking, all those tendencies, all that desperation, all that shit is still there. You got to know yourself, man. If you, you know you can't balance it, then it's not the move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and the thing is, even if you don't know yourself, if you have, if you have the, uh, enough experience to sort of associate a healthy fear with a particular uh, habit or a particular set of behaviors, right? And I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm talking about any sort of high-risk behavior, gambling. Oh, yeah. um, you know, you can exercise too much. Yeah, you can exercise too much. Um, and I've that's that is something that was that became a part of my life. I'd been sober for a couple of years in 2012, um, and by the time I was, you know, live, I got sober in 2008. By 2012, I'd lost a whole lot of weight. I was running like 10 plus miles every day. I was living off of literally for like six months when I was, when I was by myself and there was no one to like witness my lifestyle and be like, man, you gotta stop this shit. Something's wrong. I was living literally off of Triscuits and hummus and nothing else. Okay. Um, running just an obscene amount every day. Uh, and like, you know, fucking starving myself. And again, like this is, it's that same it's that same impulse and it's that same lack that I think, at least for me, that was filled with dope, that was filled yeah. with sort of the peace that I got from dope. I ended up sort of diverting that to other places. And then also just realizing that like without that aid, without that buffer between me and my own shit and all the things about the world that my own shit made me unable to face, like it was just really fucking alarming, like a... 
it was really just being in the world was like so extreme uh, yeah. and it's, it's hard to describe, you know, but like I, I fell into a whole lot of really fucking unhealthy behaviors and I'm glad that I made it out of that shit sober. I'm, I'm surprised I did in a lot of cases, but I'm glad you did too, man. I never, too, uh, I, I can't relate to heroin. I never, I never tried it. I never took any pain pills or anything like that. I never, I never got to try heroin. Um, I never got to try, uh, any hallucinogen of any kind. See, that's what um, you need though. I feel that's, like. that's something that I'm open to. If, okay. if we, and they've decriminalized some of that shit in DC, I don't know exactly how the laws work. I'm not going to go out and just buy acid from somebody and no, fucking trip my no. balls off. We'll take care but, of you, bro. Well, no, what I'm saying is if, if we got to a point in this country where we legalize that shit and you could microdose or you could, you know, do some sort of, I, the thing that I would want is to be in some sort of a controlled environment with like a therapeutic professional, not just like your buddy, Joe, who trips a lot. You know what I mean? Oh man, we'll just put on the fucking war flourish record and we'll just chill, you know, we'll just commune with yeah. nature. Sorry, so Joe. Um, I don't know if I've got that in me to chill with you like that, but I do think that if I was in like an actual like place setting. with like a licensed clinician, whose job it was to actually administer this stuff and, and sort of take you on this journey that you need to, like, I would definitely be open to that kind of thing. Um, I, but I never, I never got to try any of that shit. I think that would um, help a lot of, I think that would help a lot of people, man. Like with it's, PTSD there's, and things like that, you know, there are studies that link those two things. Like it, it is, it is a medical and scientific, I don't want to say certainty or fact because I don't really like those words, but there is definitely a, a positive association between people with trauma, people who've lived through trauma, and people who use um, psychedelics in a, in a therapeutic way, right? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I wouldn't want to do that shit by myself, because like there, there, I am, I am at this point in my life, at 38 years old, I'm more okay with the world than I've ever been. But at the same time, I'm not fucking, I'm not okay enough with the world or myself or like the cosmos to just like fucking, you know, drop a tab and see what happens. Like hang out. Yeah, and don't do that. Yeah, that'd be bad fucking news. I would say microdose on mushrooms, if anything. But like, that's just, I, that's just my meathead. Like, <laughs> no, like, like I, and the, like, I agree with you. I, and I would try that shit. I really yeah. would. If I could find my thing is like, I would want to make sure that there was some sort of quality control that went into it. Um, and I would want to make sure that whoever was giving it to me was somebody who was knowledgeable enough to make sure that like, yes, you are microdosing, Right. Cause what I don't, what I don't want to happen is for somebody to be like, all right, um, here's this fucking, I don't know liquid suspension or something and all you got to do is use this dropper and put one drop on your tongue and that's all you do and then i'm like all right cool man that's great you know and i, I go home and i expect sort of this gradual unlocking of my mind or whatever and i try one drop and i end up tripping my fucking balls off and like uh you know i don't want to do that shit yeah i don't want you to do that either i don't want to take that chance did you did you ever get into weed then? Just basically, I, I I hate to just make this podcast about drugs, but, but like, dude, just, make the curious. podcast about drugs. Well, for, I'll answer that question in a second, but first, I just want to say, if anybody out there is listening to this and you want to talk about this shit, yeah. I will talk to you about this shit at length. And if you want somebody to just listen to you talk about this shit at length, I am happy to do that as well. 
this is not a subject that needs to be stigmatized. This is a subject that needs to be able, we need to be able to talk about this shit in the same way that we talk about fucking sports scores and sick riffs and fucking barbecuing meat. Like this Let's needs go. to be, this needs to be a totally common thing. And if this is something that you're struggling with, or if it's something that you're curious about and you want somebody to just listen to you, I will do that. And if you don't want to talk to me, that's totally fine. You Find somebody me, who guys. will talk I'm to lot, you, right? I'm a lot nicer. Um, yes. <laughs> talk, to, <laughs> talk to somebody. Get that shit out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, no, I agree. If you want it to be way. me, I'd be honored. Yeah, man. Now, as for, <laughs> as for weed, yeah. I, I maintain... So, like, I spent the first two years that I was sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. And there are some things about that program that I admire, and there are some things about that program that I don't. And I'm not going to get into that specifically, but I will say Probably. one of the things that was interesting to me about the terminology that they use in Alcoholics Anonymous is that they consider alcohol to be an allergy, right? Um, when I drink alcohol as an alcoholic, um, it my body metabolizes it in a way that's different from a non-alcoholic or a non-problem drinker, right? I and that. I don't think... I don't think that they necessarily, you know, I can't speak for the guys who wrote the big book, like Bill W and fucking Dr. Bob and all those guys. I can't speak for necessarily where they were like, I mean, we're talking about like the 1920s. Yeah. I can't speak for where they were scientifically, but I do think that if you want to find some sort of medical approximation that just needs, that, that, that functions as like a stand-in for some sort of actual medical condition, I feel like an allergy is a, a safe enough way to go, right? I can buy it. But... With weed, if we're talking about what that shit does to my body, I legitimately think I have like a fucking poison ivy, like strawberries allergy. Uh, oh, okay. To that shit. Like I, there is no fucking way that when, what happens to me when I smoke that shit is the desired effect. Um, you turn into a girl. Man, I don't like, it's, first of all, you know, it's been, 15 years, I guess. I didn't smoke weed the last couple of years that I was getting fucked up um, all the way up until 2000, the end of 2008, uh, December 7th, 2008, actually. So I'm coming up on 13 years in a few weeks here. Oh, that's um, a heavy metal anniversary. We're going to have to do something for that. Man. Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> but like I, so it's been a long time, right? I can't like immediately okay. recall everything about it, but I remember the anxiety being terrible. Um, I remember yeah. the, the like the coughing like people are like oh yeah man no cough no get off and like this shit hurts man uh, like that's, I that's not true I don't think yeah and and I there were a couple of times that it was I, I don't know it was just really fucking unpleasant like there would be things that would be really funny right okay and I would laugh and then I would I would realize that I was laughing super hard and I would get super self-conscious about it. And there were also just a couple of really fucked up situations where I smoked weed when I shouldn't have. We, when I was in, in 2001, this was like right after I graduated from high school, me and my friends drove to Memphis to see Less Than Jake play the New Daisy Amphitheater. You ever listen to Jake? Oh, yeah. Fucking ska show, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. fun show, too, man. I like, it was. It was a blast. They had the dude. They had Mr. Skull out there with the fucking the guy oh, in a suit cool. with a leaf blower with fucking toilet paper matted onto the end of it, shooting that shit in the audience. It was cool. Yeah. So anyway, my buddy Matt um, was going back and forth a lot between Colorado and Arkansas back then, and he brought this shit back with him that was like purple with like yellow hairs on it. It was crazy looking fucking weed. And we got to the hotel in Memphis after the show, and he was like, "Yeah, let's smoke." And I'm like, "All right, yeah, sure, whatever." And we smoked weed and we watched Tron. 
like with Jeff Bridges or like the old one? <laughs> yeah, the old one. No, the old one. So okay. that's with Jeff Bridges too. We watched oh, that the is also with Jeff Bridges. Yeah, fuck me. You're and that right. shit fucked me up, man. There was something <laughs> about it that was just like really fucking nerve wracking. And after we watched Tron, we watched Ravenous. Have you seen okay. that? Yes. That I is. Know, it, I know where your soul was. It has uh, become one of my favorite movies. But at the good. time. You know, one of the things about Ravenous that stands out to, I think, anybody who watches it is just how unique and fucking grating and terrifying the soundtrack to that movie is. Like the ding, 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 ding. I don't know what kind of instrument it is, but like it's maddening. And I remember hearing that music while I was high and just being like, no, this is not okay. We've got to get the fuck out of here. We've got to turn this shit off. Like I'm not vibing right now. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I couldn't chill, you know, and like I a really safe environment. You just have yeah. to be on a beanbag and listening to like master of reality. And like that, that would be, you know, in, in another life, I definitely would have tried that. But I, you know, if I were to fucking, you know, God forbid, get some sort of terminal illness or something. And the doctor was like, here, try weed. I would do it, of course. But uh, between between now and, and that diagnosis that I hope that I never get, I'm, I think I'm I think I'm on the train, man. I think I'm on the wagon. Yeah, that's okay. Good for you, man. That's that, that's probably smart. It's probably smart. Gotta do it, you know. But but the thing is, like again, for anybody who wants to do that shit, or for anybody who's never done that shit before but thinks that it might be beneficial to them, smoke fucking weed. Do it a little bit, yeah. Or listen take an Sabbath edible or something. Yeah, right. listen to Black Sabbath and smoke weed. Like, do you have any idea right. what I'd give to have that experience and have that experience work the way it's supposed to, and not, not be all fucked up the way that my <laughs> mind would make it? Like that I would think you move. started too hard, too young, man. You fucked, you fucked it I up did. yourself. I, I definitely, I definitely did. I definitely did. I mean, I like was that, taking that shit. You know, I was very, very young. I was nine yeah. years old. I remember that's taking that so, shit and playing, playing Mortal Kombat, the first Mortal Kombat. I remember. Yeah, that's so. Awesome. <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it was, it was wild. Ever. And the thing is, like, I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I was doing anything wrong. You know, right. like, and that was another so thing young. that was a that became a big deal in my small little redneck South Arkansas town, uh, painkillers by the time I got to high school were just fucking huge. Like everybody that I knew was taking that shit. And like, it's not like our parents were giving it to us, but our parents didn't necessarily take it that seriously either. Like the kind of awareness that we have about the opioid crisis now, I cannot stress enough how much that fucking did not exist in 1998. You know what I mean? That was, nobody gave a shit about it. And to make matters worse, people were like, how like not only did they not know that it was bad but the reaction was how bad can it be uh it's medicine you know like a doctor is giving you this shit so like how it's not like you're it's not like you're going to the hood to buy cocaine this is something that you get from the pharmacy you know and this is what our parents this is our parents line of thought back then and like i cannot tell you how many people i know who died from that shit oh for sure dude that's sick yeah, like it, it was. Bad way, sir. Um, what was it? What was it like being on that shit playing Mortal Kombat though? Like, did you did you, <laughs> did you dig that? It was, I, I yeah, of course like, I did. Being like fucking crit, fucking like hard, like difficult. I did. To play. I'm I'm not gonna tell. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, oh, I remember it was like it was yesterday because like you know I was nine years. We're talking something that's almost thirty years ago at this point. I, I know, but I will I will tell you that every every memory that I have of using 
And it started off with that cough syrup and it led up to, I knew a girl whose dad in high school had a methadone prescription for pain, believe it or not. They, they actually do give that out for pain sometimes. Um, had a steady supply of those from her all the way up to Oxycontin towards the end was what I was doing. Um, I, I can't describe it as anything other than just satisfaction. Yeah, that's dangerous. You're not, you're not hungry. You're not scared. Um, and for people like me who sort of are not okay with the world in certain ways that, you know, may be diagnosed as some sort of mental illness or not. When I was a kid, there was all kinds of weird shit about the world that fucking bothered me. Like the sound of my own voice, I could hear it in my head and it was grating and it bothered me. You know what I mean? And like yeah, the way my, the way my socks fit, um, if I didn't get the, the, the little gold stripe to line up across the top of my toes, I would freak the fuck out and scream and shit like that. And I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say this stuff and make it make it out to be like I was in more of a different sort of neurodivergent position than I actually am. Um, I don't think I, anybody thinks that you're just telling them about yourself. And that's well, what. but at the, at the same time, you know, there are people who who have much more serious uh, issues with that kind of thing than than I ever did. But I, I just yeah. I do I do want to say like that was a part of my childhood, like that that unease and it it never escalated to the point of like me like i don't know harming myself or or having like crazy public outbursts or something like that and again when i say that shit i'm not trying to stigmatize it i'm just trying to to to, to say that there is a line between sort of the severity of of these things or not necessarily a line but there is definitely more severe and, and less severe um and for me it was never like an outright crisis thing it was always just this total sense of unease and and like alertness and dope made that shit go away, man. It just, it filled that hole. And like, that was, you know, from video games. And the thing is like, it made everything a lot more interesting too. So like, I would be a lot more absorbed in video games. Um, I would be a lot more absorbed in music. Like, holy shit. Like my entire, my entire listening arc for so much heavy music um, was all, stuff that I found while I was, while I was fucked up. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, so those two things were so closely attached to each other by the time I got sober that when I got out of rehab, um, I did at this point, I honestly can't remember. I did between 45 and 60 days in rehab. And when I got out, I, uh, I was really, I was scared to listen to metal again. Um, and my friend, Sean, who actually had been by my side throughout the entire thing, um, I talked to him and I was like, I, I don't know who I am. Like, I don't know this thing that was so much a part of my life and that I, that I got so attached to with this, with the aid of dope or I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to put it. You associated the two together. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and, and, and in its simplest form, I agree. Yeah. I that's it. Yes. It is most basic that I didn't know how to yeah. separate those two things. And right. I was like super hesitant. So like he burned me a bunch of CDs um, of like stuff that was like guitar heavy at that time, but that wasn't metal. And, and this was at my request. Right. So like he burned me a copy of Nickelback's all the right reasons. And he burned me a copy of the first Paramore album. Um, and then a couple of other things. And I remember listening to that shit and being like, okay, this is fine. I feel like I can move up to some other stuff. And I started listening to like Slipknot and things like that again. But like before that, 
You, you know, really I, weaned yourself back into death metal. I, I did, man. Well, I really wow. did. And the thing is, I was I, I associated those two things so deeply. And it wasn't just death metal. It was all heavy music, right? Okay. But definitely death metal, because by the time I found that shit, I was very much in my in an addict lifestyle. You know, that was by the time wow. I was in high school. And I was already, you know, I was using daily in high school. Okay. Um, I was just so scared that, that I, I, I can't explain it, man. It's, it's almost childish. Yeah. Um, but then like you are a child after you get sober off that shit. And like, if you'd been using it since you were a child, you sort of get off that train at the same place that you got on maturity wise, you know what I mean? So there were a whole lot of insecurities and unfounded fears about the world that I had that you would expect, you would expect like a fucking, like a nine-year-old child to have, except I was 25 when I got sober, you know? Yeah. Um, no, and I was good. just, I, I was so worried that like any of that old shit was going to bring back those urges or that need or something like that. And, and there's some music that I still can't listen to. Fortunately, none of it is death metal. None of it's heavy, super heavy shit. I, I'll probably never be able to listen to Nine Inch Nails again. Um, I'll probably never be able to listen to Queens of Stone Age again. And it's not like I'm worried that like hearing that shit is going to turn me into a fucking werewolf and I'm going to go out and like try and score dope on the streets of DC, you know, right. 13 years sober. It's right. just that there's like, there's nothing, there's nothing in it for me without that like i hear it and it used to be something that was so deeply emotional and it was also attached to this other thing that was such a big part of my life and without that other thing when i listen to it now it's just there's nothing there and i would rather not listen to it at all than listen to it and try and like force myself to interact with it emotionally when i just don't you know feel that like that's Part of the reason that I love fucking death metal, part of the reason that I love other heavy music so much is that it does not take any work. Um, this is stuff that I just love. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel, it, 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 it completes me. For lack it, of it, it, it gets you high, naturally. It does, it, man. It really does. It's I mean, natural endorphins. And like now, you know, so much of that shit, especially since, you know, talking, since meeting you and, getting serious like with the when we were doing the cardio killer stuff like yeah when i started really i'd been part of my ritual for years uh, by the time you and i met for new music was taking it on a run or taking it to the gym you know what i mean but really listening to that shit while i was running with the mindset of okay i'm going to do a write-up of this for the website and I'm going to do like a sort of an audio version of it for my show, for the radio show that I had at the time, um, connected in a way that was just really, really cool and really unique. You know what I mean? And so like there are albums that came out, but Exhumed's horror. You know, I saw Exhumed a few days ago. It was fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, I wrote a review of that record for uh, Death Comes Lifting. And like, I still think about that time when I hear that, when I hear that album, I go back there. I go back to the streets of fucking South Carolina, of Columbia, South Carolina going for a run uh, down to the greenway in my neighborhood and just listening to that shit and being like, fuck yeah, dude, zombies are amazing. And, th and that, uh, that third sentient horror record, um, yeah. uh, the one that had Call, Call of Ancient Gods on it, like yeah. that one too, like uh, that was another one that I did. Yeah, those were great reviews. We, we did great. Thank you. Yeah, they, yeah. they were, and it was fun. And like, that's, you know, if, if, you, if you find yourself in a situation where you don't think that you can separate one of these things, you know, like whether it's music and dope or for a lot of people, for a lot of creative types, it's like dope and writing or dope and playing music or something like that. If you don't think that you can separate those two things, if you're worried that after you get sober or whatever, all that spark is going to be gone, 
it might take you a little bit of time to find it because you're going to have to work, yeah. but it can still be there. It's it different. Yeah. It doesn't always go away like that. Right. A big part of that is you. And, and, and one of the things that sucks to admit is that a big part of it is also dope or a big part of it is also alcohol. But um, by removing one of those things from the equation, if it does change it, embrace that change. Look at it as something that, that is uniquely you in a way that relies on your separation from this thing, whether it's a traumatic separation or whether it's something that you did that you feel good about. Um, if it's going to change you, lean into that change. I did. And I feel like I'm okay. Me too, man. I haven't done every drug in the world, but nothing that I know of feels as good as listening to death metal and doing some heavy deadlifts, bro. You know what I mean? Dude, I feel like yes, I do. I do. On. There's nothing, there's no drug I ever took that would that replace that. And you feel like the effects after are, yes. are positive and you feel growth and you feel good and it, everything's good. It's like all it's, the negative that came with drinking and drugs is just like, it, it's, you don't realize how bad it is until you stop. Yeah. yeah. And well, and it's, it's oh. super wholesome too, I think. And I, I yeah. think that it's, it's, it's wholesome in this interesting way, right? Like one of the things that I love, you're talking about deadlifts. I love slam in the gym. We've Boom. We've talked about this on the show a million times. I love slams in a way that maybe more complex things don't. Um, and it's about like horrible shit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the, the, the subject matter is so fucking gross in a lot of cases, but uh, at the same time, like you're, you're listening to it while you're doing this really sort of cathartic thing and uniting your body and your mind. And, and this is sort of the background to that. And I feel like, I do feel like there's a magic there. I do feel like that's something that is incredibly fulfilling. And for, for people who haven't tried that before, if you're curious about it, I recommend it. Definitely. It's definitely a good thing to replace it. You know, I, uh, mine was basically alcohol was my, yeah. my, my main issue. And I, I started that basically at the same age you started doing uh, coffee. Oh, no shit. Yeah, oh, shit. yeah, real, real that, young. Man. Yeah, real young. Uh, took me a while to like really stop, but like same thing. I associated all that. Like I didn't go to a live show when I stopped drinking for like fucking ever because. I was oh like, man, oh, I'm sure. How am I gonna do that and like not get hammered? You know, it took me a while. It's, I'm sure it had to be scary, man. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, especially for you know if you associated those two things really closely with one another. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's probably that would have been really scary for you. But I'm glad that you were able to go back. I'm glad that you were able to stop something. If you if you stopped something that you felt like you needed to stop doing, and if you feel like you need to stop doing something, listen to your body. You know, like you you don't have to go get religion or something, but if you feel like maybe alcohol is costing you certain things in your life, certain comforts in your life, certain relationships in your life that maybe are putting you in a place you don't want to be in, that's worth yeah. giving it some thought. You know what I mean? And if you, if you were able to do that and then get back to a place where you could enjoy the things you thought you couldn't enjoy without that help, uh, I'm happy for you, man. I'm proud Thanks, of you. Man. And that's what we try to give other people. I, I fill the void with fitness a lot too. That's why. You're you know, goddamn why right. You know? And uh, well, and one of the things that I like about the way that you fill the void with fitness is that it is in a very, it is, it is something you are very dedicated to, but I feel like you are one of the most healthily and balanced people I know who's dedicated to it. You know what I mean? Like you, right. you definitely approach this from a place where there is an importance placed on the whole body. You know, it's not just about fucking getting big and hurting yourself or getting big and, you know, putting things in your body that maybe you don't want to, or that you're questionable about. 
And it's not about totally ignoring the emotional side of it. Like you, you, you do yoga, you do lifting, you do cardio stuff. Um, and there's also this really cool community that's grown up around death comes lifting. And I think that's a super important thing, man. You're doing important work, brother. You too. You're part of it. You're a, you're like the right-hand man, bro. You just don't I'm, know that. You're like, I'm in there. I'm in the death here. comes lifting assemblage. And one of these days, me and you are going to fucking kick it in person. I'm going to give you a massive fucking hug. You're not yeah, going to get away from me. It's going to be awesome. No, I'm doing it. We're going to see napalm death and go for a run. And, we know, are. It's going to cool be incredible. I'll take you to see the sights, man. I'll take Let's you to go. the I'll take okay. you to the Exorcist stairs. That's where I take my halfway oh, yeah. break now. Georgetown, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Exorcist stairs in Georgetown. Yeah. Wait, it's going to be awesome, dude. I can't wait. I can't wait either. I love you, bro. This is this was a great time. <laughs> I love you too, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that our boy didn't show. And if you're listening to this, if you made it this far into the podcast, listen to Necrofire because it fucking yeah. rips. It, so- it, it sounds a whole lot like dissection, which is what I wanted to talk to him about. Yeah. Um, but they're not aping to section. They're very much doing their own thing. Uh, go, go listen to Necrofire. And uh, if you're listening to this conversation right now, I hope that it was halfway as fulfilling for you as it was for me. It was a great chat. Likewise, man. We'll get Necrofire on. He actually, he he, uh, he messaged me like 15 minutes ago and said he was on a call that ran over. So we'll reschedule. We will reschedule. And we will make it work. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for Bet your ass, dude. Right, I'll bro. see you tomorrow, man. Love you. Thank Peace. you. For Love you too. You.